This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Copyright 2020, Glasso. Life is a podcast. I'm your man Graffiti. What's good, ladies and gentlemen? It's Davey. How you feeling today, Dave? I feel great. Me too, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm in good spirits today. I got that. I got that meds in my system. I'm in excellent spirits as well. I'm feeling straight. Man. Hey, man. So we got another special guest in the building today. This is crazy, man. We coming with some heavy hitters. Oh, always. So this is my man's actual first podcast. So this is this oh. is history right here. This is hit the brum 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 brums. We still, we, <laughs> we still don't got a sound effect budget, <laughs> we man. Sound, we, don't, we don't have the soundboard. <laughs> we gotta work harder, man. <laughs> but check it, I got my man Paul from Mez Branch. Y'all make some noise real quick. Hey, how you feeling, bro? I'm feeling good. How you guys doing today? Good, good. So for the people that don't know, just let them know who you are and what you do. All right, cool. My name is Paul Saunders. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I'm the co-founder of Mez. Where, where, where? So, so what is Mez? I know they see it on the table, but they probably like, man, what the hell? What is that? So, Mez is a, is a cannabis lifestyle company. Essentially, we focus on concentrates and really just bringing a lifestyle and a awareness to cannabis that's through pop culture, through experiences, and through bringing people together through art, music, culture, mm. and just the overall goodness of cannabis. Word, 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 word. So, the actual name Mez, like, what, yeah. that's, that's unique. Where did that come from? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, about almost three years ago now, I was um, I was doing some some digging, some researching, and I was looking at you know when did cannabis become illegal in America. Mm-hmm. So I started googling it and figuring out. Okay, around th- 1937, they had the that's the date that it became illegal. But I was figuring out what terms were used around that time period, mm-hmm. and then I was like, what, what words did they use for cannabis? And I saw this word called mess, and I'm like, amongst other things, and I said, oh, it's kind of interesting. But I'm like, well, how did they actually get to that word meds? I never heard it before in my life. Right. And then when I Googled it in the Cab Calloway's dictionary, Urban Dictionary, meds meant, you know, supreme wheat. Mm. You know? So I was like, oh, shit, what's, what's that about? So I started digging even further, and I found out it was based on a story of true life. This guy named Milton Mesro, who was a jazz clarinet player from, like, the Midwest, Chicago, to be exact. Gotcha. Um, so he was a white jazz musician <clears throat> that played throughout Chicago. But at a certain point in his time, he wanted to move to Harlem to like play with like Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong, all those jazz greats. So essentially, he moved from Shy to New York, and he right. moved uptown. So when he was uptown, he started hanging out with all the jazz cats, and he bought his weed from Chicago to New York. Right, right. So when he was in New York, the New York New York weed was shit, like it still is today. <laughs> so essentially, just in New York, <laughs> right, right, the East Coast. So yeah. he, he started making these uh, mesros, which is his. Perfectly rolled joints and started like giving out to musicians. The next thing you know, the musicians was like, "Damn, where's Mez at?" Because Mez, something about Mez's weed is better than what else I'm getting. So they started saying, "Where's Mez? Where's Mez? Where's Mez?" So they started replacing "Where's Mez" with "I need Mez." Yeah, you know, and they actually started like talking about it in songs. Like you might hear like 
certain terminology like the vipers and all that like slang from the 30s and 40s mm. that was kind of created around this whole experience about you know really people that were consuming cannabis but then they were playing like longer and harder like at the late night jam sessions mm. so it kind of like enhanced it a little bit kind of enhanced it so like in terms of bridging you know art and music i feel like during that time period, cannabis was used as a tool to one unwind, but two to, to tune in and dial into the experience, to the improvisation with jazz and like going deeper and harder and stronger. Right. So, um, so that's really like I said. Look, you know, this is this word has some some meaning. I'm also from New York, from Brooklyn, which is a little way from Harlem, but it felt like it was something that was was true. But then when I started digging deeper, there was so many other stories that that Milton did. Like he actually went to jail for cannabis. A word. And when he was in jail, he actually wrote to different, you know, you know, legislative people about, you know, I shouldn't be in jail, incarcerated because, A, you're still testing cannabis on other patients in medical conditions. Right. So why, if you're t- testing, why am I in jail for something that you're testing with? So, like, literally, he was an advocate and also, like, a fighter. So that all kind of felt with something that felt was, was good for a DNA of a brand, and, like, that was the inspiration of creating mess. Right, right, right. So that's like real life research, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Most people just think of a name like, oh yeah, that's fire, let's run with it. But that's that's a dope meaning. Yeah, yeah. No, I think something has to have meaning. And like I mean I come from the world of like marketing and branding. Yeah. Um starting out from when I was young, like during the events. Then I worked for ad agencies when I was, you know, out of college. Um and I actually started out in working with tobacco companies and alcohol companies. So I kind of went through the whole sin business. So that's what's kind of brought me to Mez where we are today. Work. So are there any other ventures that you tried to do before Mez or was this just the was this like the first one that you just immediately gravitated towards or Yeah, no, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I mean I started from when I was in grade school selling M and M's to, to kids in my class. Oh wow. Yeah. And like in New York we used to have like you know, outlets were in New York City, so you have to go to like Philadelphia or Pennsylvania. Well, Philadelphia is in Pennsylvania, but right. Philly to go to outlets to get cheaper clothes. So I used to plan bus rides for like my, my, my peers to like right. get on the bus, yeah. go to the outlets and go shopping. So like that ticket fee was like my shopping money. Uh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like from that and then like throwing events and then like when I was in college I used to sell like vintage clothing in college and like we used to I used to be a music major and my friends were all musicians. So like for like Valentine's Day we were like sell like serenades so, like I'll get my boys like yo for five dollars you get like a two song serenade or like ten dollars you get like you know a whole trio show up so I used to always kind of oh, wow. like figure out ways to like do things just right. hustling spirit. yeah just hustling and then in, in college actually my senior year of college at Hampton I left the school of music to become a um a business major so I graduated with a degree in entrepreneurial studies right and um that's kind of like what led to like my first business like day after college I just started a company that the next day like as soon as I graduated I never looked for a job the next day, I went to New York and started a company uh, called 24 Hour MC, which was like a telephony service. So, like, you know, before the internet was popping and you had the bandwidth, <laughs> yeah. you had to like use your telephone to like figure out things. So, like, so like it was a hip hop service. So, like, literally, we had freestyle, exclusive freestyles from different artists like Memphis Bleak or like Eminem. Word. So, like, we had it all loaded into the system. So, you call up to like press one to listen to Eminem, press two for Memphis Bleak, press That's three crazy. for. So like that's that was my first venture out of college yeah. that we launched in New York. So I've just been a serial entrepreneur since then. So how so how do people uh, back home? How do they feel about you being in the in the cannabis industry, especially with it being you know 
legal here, especially recreationally, and then back home, it's still, yeah. like, they're really cracking down on it. Yeah, I mean, the hardest thing was to tell my parents, because, like, <laughs> I mean, I was never, like, I was always been a relaxed person, so I've never been, like, a consumer. Um, and, like, you know, I've, I've grown up around it. I've Friends have smoked through college. I mean, like, everything, but... I just never really dialed into it because I always felt like I was already relaxed. Yeah. So, like, telling my parents what I was doing, it took me, like, about a good, like, nine months. You know, I was telling them, like, yeah, I was doing research, and I'm flying back and forth, and I'm doing this in Denver. And then, you know, my uncle um, got, was diagnosed with cancer. So that's when I started kind of, like, bringing it more to the forefront. Like, look, there's some alternative methods to, to help with, you know, pain relief and pain management. Right. So I kind of, like, you know, segued that in with my uncle's health condition in terms of talking to my family more about my involvement in cannabis. Word, word. That's interesting, too, man, because it's such a stigma with cannabis and marijuana. Just, you know, people think in Denver it's a little different. We, yeah. It is what it is out here. But around the world, they hear smokers and they're like, oh, man, you probably dirty with dreads and yeah, don't get yeah. anything accomplished. But there's so many other benefits around it. Um, was that something you guys factored in once you got into Mez? Or I guess kind of what was the focus with Mez brand? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy. Like, I travel a lot all around the world and um, have some crazy stories. But all the people that I know that consume are not like stereotype steps been glorified, you know what I'm saying, in media or through, you know, the news or whatever. Like, you know, that whole movie Reefer Madness. And then once you just start understanding, like, you know, the trickery that's been, you know, played with cannabis and incarceration, it's a whole, there's so many, like, layers to cannabis in terms of why it became illegal. You know, once you, like, do that history, and I, I encourage everyone to do a deep dive because it's, like, literally layered with, like, so much shit that you, like, how did it go on for so long? <laughs> right. And I think especially, like, to demonize it, you first have to paint a picture of, you know, what does the average consumer smoker like, or cannabis yeah. user look like? Yeah. And they, once you, you know, paint that picture of it's like, oh, it's criminals or it's, you know, it's just like a like a monstrous figure when really it's like, you know, it's just that it's a regular person. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably average your, your, your grandma or somebody really. Right. <laughs> Seriously. And, and yeah. now you have all these articles coming out. Like, I just saw a post about, you know, the ex- New York City Mayor, Bloomberg. Mm. I mean, you see all these people that have been consuming probably, you know, throughout their life. Or, like, you remember when Obama said he, you know, consumed and then Bill Clinton. I mean, yeah. people have been, you know, coming right. out along, you know, all the time. Yeah. But literally, like, it's, it's you know, it's coming to the forefront more and more each day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but the people that I know and the people that I see all around the world, I mean, they're definitely not couch locked. They're definitely not lazy. Right. You know, they're very, you know, they're doing things, they're progressive, you know what I'm saying? I know a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, a lot of high-power executives, CEOs, yeah. and, you know, students, whatever, you know what I'm saying? I know people that, you know, have been consuming for a while and they continue to do so, and they are really going against the entire, you know, stigma and belief of cannabis as a lazy recreational activity. Right, right, right. Um, how important is it to be a, a black cannabis brand owner? Because when we see, like, the, the war on drugs, like, it's... It's, it's completely dis- destroyed urban communities. And then once it's become legal and recreational, we've seen, you know, like a lot of white people really eating off of like dispensaries and, and vape companies and cannabis companies. And now we're, we're it seems like as a culture, we're now catching up yeah. to the, the legal aspect of it. Right. I, I think there's still so much to catch up with. Like, for instance, 
there's this uh, convention in Vegas, which is the biggest cannabis convention in America. Mm-hmm. They had about 18,000 people there in Vegas in November. And actually, Mez, we sponsored two of the biggest events, you know, of that entire, you know, conference. But I didn't see too many people like us yeah. at that conference. And I'm like, yo, it's 18,000 people here. Where the rest of my people is at? Right, <laughs> you right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but I do feel like there's a point and purpose of actually just being present. Because literally, if you can be there and be accounted for, at least there's representation that we can influence more people right. to join. And I tell all my friends, there's so many jobs available in the cannabis industry. Like you think it's about one thing, but no, there's accounting jobs, there's transport jobs, logistic jobs, security jobs, and then there's a need for, for talent. Right. So like I tell all the young people, I'm like, look, please look at this industry, because literally, it can't even fill all the jobs. Right. It's insane. It's a fact, man. Um, so kind of getting into the actual mass product... Um, I'm kind of like you as in terms of I'm already kind of just a laid back person. So, yeah. you know, like consuming like that, it's like, ah, whatever, every now and again. But I don't physically like the process of smoking. You know what right. I mean? Like the smoke itself, like I don't like that. But like right. with like the disposable pens, like this is dope to me. Like you just hit yeah. a, pool, a pool, it got a flavor. Like it's, it's dope. And yeah. plus it just looks sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all see that? I mean, it just looks sexy, but... It brings me to my question, kind of just the overall formula and um, how, for one, why you decided to go the vape route right. versus just a dispensary or like a strain and kind of just the overall formula and flavors of Mez Brain. So, I mean, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's like your life is based on, like, it's compounded on your experiences in the past. Like, when I worked for those ad agencies and, like, working with, like, Archer Reynolds and, like, and some of those tobacco brands, I kind of saw, like, how their products were, you know, organized and and branded, and I kind of like studied it for, for years, and I still do study it to this day. But the biggest thing about it was that I'm all about convenience, and I think people are, are, are about convenience. The same way you have a microwave in your house, mm-hmm. same way you take an airplane, right. you know, same way you got a smart car or a smartphone. Right. It's like if you can, you know, eliminate a few steps and make it more convenient, then there's there's an opportunity and an avenue. And so that was one of the things at first was like, well, the first thing that we wanted to get right was like the branding and like the way that it came across. So, um, you know, we had like one of the top firms like try to design the whole mess thing. And I'm like, uh, this wasn't it. So right. I got one of my boys from, um, I used to design for like uh, R55, Zare, Echo, uh, Sean, John. And we actually sat down and like figured out the whole brand Bible. You know, one of my boys from Queens and that I've known for years and yeah. literally like went head to head with this big <laughs> this big design firm and like smashed them mm-hmm. um, and but the, the biggest thing was that you wanted to talk about when you asked the question about in terms of between flower or vapes nothing against flower I just felt like with vape you had an opportunity to create a consistent product right that can be replicated and duplicated so people could share the same experience right so I felt that was the difference between vape or flower Right. It's like, and then you look at different brands of products, whether it's like Ciroc, they have the Ciroc, you know, product of Aka, but then you have, you know, the red berry, you have the coconut, and you know that that flavor takes the same with every experience. Right, right, right. So it's like, how can we create, you know, an experience that can be duplicated that people could, if you give it to your friend and that blue berry and mellow was the same then, it'll be the same for your next friend. So you can, you can, you can pretty much transfer the experience. Right. No, that makes sense for sure, for sure, for sure. So, all right, we got it on the table, lined up. Yeah. 
What we got? What Let's we got? break it down. So we got the blue is mellow, green is inspired, red is up tempo, and then gold is just gold. Yeah. What's the What's the difference? So the good, the cool thing about it was like, you know, everybody focuses on strains, and then I've never really been about strains, and my partner as well, Aaron. Um, essentially, we figured out, look, let's create moods. And yeah. there are some moods out there, but we were like, let's let's make it make sense to people. Like, if you don't understand a strain or understand what sativa and indica is, and you forget, because some people always forget, like, sati- which one is sativa, which one is indica? Yeah. Or what's this, what's that? I just want to simplify it, you know? And then we wanted to create the names that kind of resonated with, like, music. Like, you know, mellow vibes. So, like, you know, you might have a down-tempo playlist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or up-tempo playlist. And you can kind of... If you want to like relax the B, and chill sides of the on a Sunday album. or you know what I'm saying <laughs> after work, you might hit us hit the mellow mix when you just want to unwind. Yeah. Right? So that's why we call it mellow. So literally, the mellow and we broke it down into the strength. We started from low to high. So the mellow is essentially mellow. It's like starts with 50 percent THC. Yeah, which has a blueberry um, flavor note. And then we literally walk the way up, so you can figure out which is best for you. Just like alcohol, if you want something that was 40 proof, 60 proof. You kind of understand, you know, the levels. So we just started with low and went high from mellow, which is 50% THC, to inspire, which is experiment flavor note, which is 60. The up tempo is a little higher than the gold. It's just like straight 90%, like uncut. 90%. Clean. Damn. Yeah, yeah. So like people <laughs> that really just want to go straight to it, you know, all the dabbers or people that just, you may have a hard time sleeping that just want to knock out at night. Yeah. Just go straight to the gold. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, I remember um, last week I was having a little bit of a difficult time sleeping, and yeah, the uh, the gold works. We'll just say that. Right. He was sleep for the whole day. Right. <laughs> the gold works. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, I like to inspire. Um, I'm a designer, so kind of when I want to just get in my design mode yeah. and just chill, turn on some music, get that inspired real quick. Yeah. And be cooling out. I like I like the way y'all did that, man, because like people do get confused with the sativas and indicas, and then there's so many different strains. strains. It's like, yeah. bro, what are y'all doing? So uh, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, it was crazy because I, ha- I was having a conversation with uh, DJ Infamous, which is uh, Luda's DJ. Yeah. Um, at the show yesterday, we kind of broke it all down. And they were like, oh, shit, yeah, it makes sense. Because, like, sometimes you don't remember the strains, you don't know what the properties are. Yeah. And it's just, like, literally just dialing it in to just say, okay, this is this is the effect, the desired effect. Right. And you can just pr- pretty much pick what's your desired effect. You know, and I, I think that's what people can, you know, understand, resonate with, and it kind of, like, takes the guesswork out of it. Right, you know, right. So a simplified approach to it. Word. Um, from a marketing standpoint. What has been some of the biggest challenges of actually getting the Mez brand out there? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, you, I was going to ask that. I felt like that was a Dave question. That was a Dave question. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so our goal was to create a national and international company. Mm. And that's why we went with um, the whole Mez brand's concept and idea was not just to have something that was local, something that we can do across this, the nation with legal markets. So essentially, um, We've had a couple of hiccups, but I really don't see those as obstacles. I see it as, like, these are great challenges that allows us to, you know, sharpen our sword, be better, and get more dialed into, you know, markets and activities. So, for instance, like, my background is in experiential marketing. And then, like, the good thing about how life is comes full circle, learning tobacco laws from back in the days, I understood those agreements. Right. right. And understood, understood the do's and don'ts of what you couldn't do in tobacco. So I kind of re- already knew what our limits would be coming to, to cannabis. It would be fairly around the same. 
Um, and so I really figured that, look, you know, experiential is the way to go because at the end of the day, it's like, it's about, you know, trials and tribulations and your personal experiences with a product or brand or how to create affinity or how do you, how do you, um, how do you change someone's um, consumption methods? If someone's normally used to rolling, you know, it has to be something that they, that they deem is worthy of them trying to change right. something they've done in the past. Right. Right. And it has to look, feel, taste of something that they can consider doing, you know? Like, and I always make the comparison to alcohol because, like, there's certain flavors in alcohol that you're like, okay, let me try that because I'm curious about that. It right. makes sense. And if the proper pairing, like, in your mind, it might, it might make, like, for instance, like a coconut drink. Well, okay, I can, I can figure out coconut because coconut is... I'd be good with pineapple and like on a sunny summer day, yeah. I could rock with that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's kind of like, you know, getting into the process of someone's, you know, thought patterns and taste palettes and all that stuff. And it's kind of understanding what you think that people would like or be willing to try. Yeah. Or make them curious to try. Right. You know? Word, word, yeah. word. Well, we're definitely not going to let you skip over uh, some of these crazy stories that you have brought up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so what are some of the, so you, you've traveled the world. Yeah. What are some of like the craziest things that you've seen just... Throughout this whole experience, through the, the mess experience or just my, my traveling experience, it's, both. It's both, both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been to I've been to some crazy places. I've been to like, I've been to like Iraq. I've been to um, like Egypt. Oh, what was Iraq like? Um, Iraq was 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 interesting. It was it was an interesting time because I was managing a band at, at that time. We did a, a tour for the USO, and then I, you know I wanted to like you know provide some musical relief since I had friends that were you know. Serving, I lived in Norfolk, Virginia at the time, which is like a very big military, um, you know, region. So um, I wrote a letter to the to the USL like, look, you know, I, I want to like perform for you guys and do some shows. So yeah, I'm thinking I'm gonna go to Hawaii or like Japan or something. Cool. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, do you want to go to South Southeast Asia? And I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm down. And so like we went to the whole meeting. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm down. Then the next thing you know, he sends me an email that's literally like. Iraq, Kuwait, uh, like Qatar, you know, these places. I'm like, yo, that's not what I thought. Yeah. So I had to convince the whole group to like, all right, yeah, we're going to go perform in like Iraq. And this was like 07. Yeah. So this was like still like. It was oh, true smoke yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Like, it's, it's real out there. So, yeah. yeah. So like, I remember like, you know, going out there to, to Kuwait. And then like, we, we flew on helicopters from like base to base in Iraq so we used to be on like these literally like like those helicopters that you see in all the movies yeah. and, like the dudes are at the side of the guns and like we got bulletproof vests flying like low to the ground because when you fly in helicopters over like you know hostile territory the lower you fly the harder it is for them to shoot the plane down mm, okay. so literally like flying over people's heads and you've seen people like on the ground like you're seeing animals you're seeing everything you're like wow I'm literally like a hundred feet above and um just you know, being nerve-wracking because you just never know what's happening. So, like, right. they give you these bulletproof vests. But I'm like, if you got a bulletproof vest on and they're shooting up, like, they're going to hit you, like, yeah. in your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, I was like, I need a, I need a, a every vest. first thought. I'm like, I'm going to get shot on that. <laughs> I'm like, I need a vest for, like, underneath me. So, I'm like, yo, I'm sitting on my vest, you know, and I'm going through that whole experience. So, like, that was crazy. But the craziest thing about that whole trip is, like, we did, like, three or four bases in Iraq, but we got to Camp Victory. And I didn't know that there was a lot of coalition forces, like, like there was like the Australians and then like the Ugandan army and like mad militaries there. So we did this one show, like literally it felt like the UN, like performing, like performing next to like the prison, 
or to keep all the people, you know, that they capture in Iraq. And we're performing maybe like 50 feet for them. Yeah. And then we have all these soldiers like partying with us. And then like the prisoners are partying in the jail like <laughs> with the music and everything. Like they're going crazy. Like, you know, the soldiers are going crazy. It was just like stage dive. This is a crazy experience. So like, yeah, that, that was probably one of the craziest experiences. Like wow, man, that's dope. doing that and like, you know, being over there. But I mean, travel is something that I do a lot of. And I think that's also what helps with, you know, probably one of the reasons why I got into the mess is um, another time I was in Dubai. And one of my uh, hey, flex friend, on it. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good place to be, man. Yeah, yeah. So I was in Dubai, and one of my friends was like, "Hey, man, can you can you uh, can you look for an investment in cannabis for me?" And I was like, "What? Oh, you're in Dubai talking about cannabis? Yeah, because so it's like, illegal out there, right? It's illegal. Yeah. So literally, like the next month, I flew out to Colorado, and I was like, "Let me just come out here and just try to figure something out." Right. About to flip something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's really what sparked my my interest in cannabis. Where you know. Man, that's crazy. So with all those experiences and then just the brand and your background, um, the way Mez is moving right now, um, and I'm not just saying that because we're brand ambassadors, bum, 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 bum. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's becoming one of those brands that is definitely, not even becoming, it is one of those brands that is definitely just about the lifestyle. Like you might see a Mez hat or you see the logo on something or you see you at a party and you don't even necessarily know what the product is right. but the brand looks cool um, was that the intent from the beginning from definitely from from one was like the logo was so important to me yeah. like and the way that it made you feel because like it had to be something that people felt comfortable with wearing and that's what I saw when I came to the marketplace I saw like names like smoke this or like roll that or like yeah. everything was like red yellow and green and like I felt like there had to be something that people could actually feel good about consuming and rocking. You know right. what I'm saying? And, and it had to be simplified. You know what I'm saying? And I looked at some examples like I looked at stuff from like Porsche to Mont Blanc to like, you know, um, to uh, the Plains logo. I mean, I looked at all those different, you know, iconic, you know, the, um, the Maybachs, all those iconic like brands. Right. And I'm like, what's, what's their symbol or their, or their statement piece? And I wanted to create something that I felt like, you know, from a marketing perspective, that looked great on a shirt, a hat, a product, but also like on a wall. Right. So like if you projected the image on like a big ass wall, the logo has to be so clean and crisp that it's yeah. instantly recognizable. Nice and symmetrical, yeah. Right, right, right. And then, you know, we wanted to create like the whole feeling with like third eye and like the way that the Mez moves. It's like it's it's a foundation, it's a pyramid, and there's so many things that relates to the pyramid and the third eye and cannabis in terms of right. unlocking certain things and this bringing people together, it had to encompass all that stuff. Right. So that's how we developed it. It was just really like a true desire to be an inclusive, you know, icon, but also making it iconic, but also making it that you can be anywhere in the world and say, okay, I can remember this, I can see it, but also feel like, you know, it speaks to me in some way. Right. And so those are all the things that we're considering when I was um, designing with me and my homie when we went against the, that big firm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it came with it, man. No, y'all pulled it off. So, what can we uh, what can we expect from the future of, of Mez Brand? Man, you can expect some really cool shit, man. Like we've been we've been blessed to like really integrate with a lot of like you know dope artists, dope from people like you guys, but Appreciate also that. like um, hey. yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's been all love, but also a lot of celebrities have been embracing us and have been like really open to you know rocking with us on the products, chasing it, trying it. Um, we've done some, um, we've done some really cool things. Like for instance, like New Year's Eve when, um, you know, cannabis recreation became legal in in California, 
we did a, a special like you know gifting and art dedication of Dave Chappelle and at the Dave Chappelle John Mayer show January right. first. So things like that, and it's like being with you know different people and people very just curious about it. Like I remember speaking to Janae Aiko about it, and she's like mad into it. So like people have been very like open yeah. with us. So I think you you will see some really cool. You know, collabs, but also experiences, but also, you know, the dirty side, like, you know, us engaging about, look, you know, decriminalization, you yeah. know what I'm saying? How can we, you know, or how can we get more people involved in the business aspect of it? Because I want to tell everybody, open it up to everyone. Like, look, there's so much opportunity out here. I know what you're going to in your career fairs, but I'm down to, like, go to different schools, universities and tell them, like, look, this is, there's a lot of opportunity out here and it's not what you think. Right. And I understand what has been told to us. But look, this industry is going to be just as big as the internet, mm-hmm. you know, probably, probably bigger at a global level. This is, this is, industries like this don't come along for like decades. You know what I'm saying? Right. So this is like a, this is a behemoth that's about to happen. And if yeah. you don't really get deeply rooted in it, you're going to miss the ball. Definitely. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. So, and that's for all entrepreneurs. I mean, there's so many opportunities and this is just, this is like the equivalent of being an at dial-up right now. AOL dial-up, this mm-hmm. is where we're at in the cannabis space, I feel. Mm. I feel we didn't even get to the... It's like the, the gold rush. Right, 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 right. Right, and you see it. I mean, people come to, you know, Denver all the time. And I know, you, it's you crazy. You brand every day. Everybody was sleeping on Denver, and now it's like, like yeah. we're cracking out here. Yeah. Man, um, kind of rewind, because I wanted to ask you this, and then you brought it up and it reminded me. Um, before I even knew what Mez was, I remember being at Red Rocks at Dave Chappelle. And I seen the branding all over everything, his DJ and everything. I'm like, man, what is that? Like, I was trying to look it up. Like, man, I was talking like M Mountain logo. <laughs> like, right. I didn't, I didn't know what it was. Oh, dope, right. dope. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, and then I started seeing it more and more, and it was mostly associated through whatever Dave Chappelle had going on. So I'm like, what's the relationship with Mez and Dave Chappelle? So what, what is it? Yeah, well, <laughs> shout, shout out to uh, DJ Trauma, which is his DJ. Okay. You know? Um. But really, it's just like friends supporting friends. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know Dave prior to Trauma, but Trauma's been like real cool, like been supportive. Like we had the shirts and the hats. He's like, I'm rocking with y'all. Like, it's all about networks and experiences, and then you know having those conversations with Dave and right. talking about the product and just you know him you know seeing it through a trusted source, which is Trauma, you know, validating us. You know, so I think it's based on those life experiences and and being you know being a reliable person that. You know, I'm not out to get anybody. I'm not about to pull any wool over anybody's mm-hmm. head or nothing like that. Right. I'm just about, all right, how can we do things that make sense, that's cool? You know, we're, we're young entrepreneurs. You know, we're trying to take this, take a different approach, and we need help. And more than help, we need advice, and we're willing to listen. And right. I'm not trying to come in here and just try to say I can run over, you know, Denver. That's not, doesn't make sense. You right. know what I'm saying? So that's why, you know, people like Francois just talk to him at first. It's kind of like, you know, how can we break bread? How can we work together? Not trying to come into like some companies just come into a market and just try to take like hostile mm-hmm. takeover. Hostile takeover, and it's not about that. It's about how can we integrate? How can we grow? What can we help out with? How can we organically build something right. that can make sense for everyone? And I think that's the really the authentic approach. Not even the authentic approach. I think this is this being a good you know citizen. Yeah, yeah. definitely. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, you, anytime, and that gets so lost in business. Anytime you go over someone's house, like. Hey, what should I bring? Yeah. You know, you need help with the dishes or, you know. Just... Isn't that crazy though? Like, right. it, it's crazy how lost that is, especially in the culture, like where, when you're just a genuine good person or you just do a good deed and people look at you crazy, like, oh man, what do you, what, what you after? Right. I mean, right. by just doing good business. Cause yeah, like, yeah, yeah. when we all first met, like just the whole process of 
meeting with Mez and then the way business was handled after that, I'm like, man, this is like dope. At first, I was kind of weary because I'm like, I ain't never had an experience where it was just all love. Like, you know what right. I mean? Business is kind of come at you and it's like, this is that. Boom. But like, ever since then, we, we, it's been like family. So I think that's a that's a good core premise to have in your business, just being genuine. Yeah, no, nah, I, I think that's that's definitely a rule of thumb. Yeah. I mean, that's just who I am. Um, just growing up, just navigating through Brooklyn, through the streets, and like high school, college, you know, from beyond. It's just like, it's all been about, and then even moving to different countries. Like, yeah. you just understand, like, the way you move to different countries and survive, I and mean, people don't understand your language, is just like, you know, just being general. I'm not trying to rob, steal, take, I'm just... Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to just kick it, have a good time. You know what right. I'm saying? With no, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not in it for an ulterior motive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If something comes out of it, that's cool. But if not, that's cool too. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So, what have you learned from your, I think, from your experiences, just from from traveling the world, from from doing business with just different people, different companies? Like, what is I think what's like the core principle that it's taught you? Man. um... You know what? I, I say the, the first thing is like when people invite you to like come visit them, go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get invites and never go anywhere. That's and right. That's the, the to me that's the biggest. I, I felt that. Yeah, <laughs> I felt that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. a lot of times, like literally, like homies be like, "Yo, why don't you come out?" Like I had a homie in Malta, which is you know, a little small island like near Gibraltar. He was like, "Yo, come over, and just come kick it." And I was like in Paris. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna come over there for like a day or two. Yeah. Went out there for like three days, had a great time. But that's the homie for life. He's like, you actually came and visited me. Like I gave out mad invites to people. Yeah. Wow. And like, you know, what I'm saying I'm on this little small island that was turned up. <laughs> the island was so lit. Like yeah. you know. So it's like those experiences, and it's not just about like flexing or or bread. It's just about this, you know. Come through. Somebody invites you like down the block, you know what I'm saying? Go down yeah. the block. Or like even like people around my way. Like they'll see me like I still live in my same neighborhood a few blocks away from my original crib. But like, you know, I'm driving by, like dudes on the street would stop me, like, yo, you know, what are you doing? What's going on? I see you doing this, or like, you know, they'll hear about me doing X, Y, Z or the other. So I'm like, yo, let's just go to the coffee shop and just chop it up real quick, you yeah. know, and just, you know, figure some things out. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's just how I roll, you know. Right, right. That's real, because especially with me, like and probably even graffiti too like i'm such Definitely a I'm such a homebody yeah and i'm such like a, a person that's just off to myself but i think since we've done or at least started the podcast like we have been getting like just invite certain places and and i felt more uh more of a conviction about going so if i'm just yeah. like oh man this is going on tonight or oh, i was invited to this i'm like all right you know what? let me just show up yeah. even if it's like 10 minutes 15 minutes. and then every time we do something happens we just we, show we up make a new relationship yeah, 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 or yeah, you know some, something come from that so that's real yeah, it's showing up like last week i was um i was in i was in la then denver then austin um for a show then from austin back to new york then back to, from new york to miami but all like Literally, like, people invited me out, and I was like, yo, I got to show up because I made these, you know, I said, yeah, I was coming, and I yeah. had to go. Right, right. And it's just all, I mean, it's tiring, it's tiring a lot, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, it might not be always financially feasible, but if you can do it and you can do it, you know, definitely it's, it definitely won't go unnoticed, you know. Right. Cool. So I got, I got one last question yeah. for you. I'm going to wrap it up. We appreciate your time. So there's somebody watching this right now, like, oh, man, I've been wanting to get into the cannabis industry, but... You know, I don't, I don't know how to tell my parents, or I don't yeah. really know where to start. Um, what would be that one piece of advice that you would give them? I'd say go ahead and do it, man. Like, but you know, you got to be strategic. You know, I think with 
with business, you know, some people don't do, you know, the research, you know. But also, like, you've got to believe in yourself. And then um, try to figure out a niche. But if you don't have the niche, go ahead and, and help somebody out or work with someone that's already doing what you think you want to do. Mm. So you can learn all that without costing you nothing but your time. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, literally, like, someone always needs help. And someone always, you know, can teach or someone's always ready to learn, you know. So you can really just engage yourself, go out, find someone that's doing it. If you want to do, like, marketing and branding, just help out a brand that you might like. Like, I remember my first jobs, like, when I used to want to be in the music industry, we used to, like, go to record labels and be like, yo, I'll help out for free. Yeah. Or in the studio, I'm like, all right, you need me to vacuum this this carpet. Mm. That's cool, I'll vacuum the carpet. But after the carpet, I'm going to sit down and just look at you, you know, hit the knobs and see what's going where, what's going there. It's just a little bit of learning. And then, like, I started, like, seeing that from a lot of different, you know, icons. Like, their capacity for learning is huge. Like, like you remember you seeing, like, pictures of Mike just sitting by the, the keyboard with Stevie. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's checking it out or watching shows or, like, the studying, constantly studying. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the biggest thing. It's just, like, how, who can you learn from that's, that's willing to teach you or willing to give you those opportunities? Let's take the chance, man. Right. But yeah, let's do it. Cannabis, yo, this, this is it's the move. <laughs> this, this is history in the making. Yeah. Seriously, be a part of history, and that's, that's actually one of the reasons why I got into it. Yeah, because I felt like, and you asked me this question about how did you, you know, I think one of the first questions was like, you know, what made you get into the industry, right? And I kind of got burnt out with like the whole corporate thing because I just felt like they kind of have their ways of, you know. I mean, it could be hostile in the corporate America. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, like, I'd rather avoid a lot of this hostility, you yeah. know what I'm saying, if I can. But I was, I made a promise to myself. I was like, I'm not going to get involved in anything else unless I had the opportunity to make history. Right. And I mm-hmm. felt like this was the opportunity to make history and to create something that can leave a legacy, but also open the doors for other people Definitely. from different backgrounds, different countries, but also provide relief because you hear about how the, how the plant has helped so many people. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it, to me, that's checked all the boxes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? With something that felt that was worthy of giving, you know what I'm saying, your life to. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And giving, you know, your creative juices and sacrifices towards. And that's what I wanted to do. You know, find something that I felt comfortable yeah. in doing that with. Mm-hmm. I, so, I really want to emphasize something that you had, uh, that you were, that you had touched on. Um, so you would go to the record labels and say, hey... Can I just vacuum? Can I just, just know, help. I'll help do stuff for free? Yeah, yeah. And I think in this society, or at least in in this current age, like people, and not to sound like an old head, but there's so much self entitlement that like yeah. when people approach certain businesses and entities, they already want to be doing what it is that they want to do by the time that they approach it. So when they show up to a record label, they're like, "Hey, I'm I'm the I'm the hottest thing out." Right. Play my music. Yeah. They're not thinking about getting a foot in the door. They think, you know, play my music is the foot in the door. They're not thinking, hey, how can I help you? What do you need help with? So I think that that's a very, that's just something that I just wanted to just give more emphasis to. Yeah, that's yeah. No, it's yeah. important. But it shows, like, your your determination. Because, like, literally when I did that, I had a whole list. I had, like, a list of 20. And that day I went to literally 20 places all throughout the city. And no one hired me, and I got to the last person. I got there like at seven at night. And I was like, "Look, here's my resume. You know, I want to work. I want to do this. with that?" He's like, "Can you vacuum?" I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Yo, come back in two hours and start tonight." 
But it was literally on that 20th yeah. spot I went to yeah. for that day is when that opportunity happened. Most people would have stopped on the 15th. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. You know, and it was hot as hell that day, too. It was hot. <laughs> it was hot. I had on a suit walking through yeah. the city. Oh, it was crazy, man. And people would have been like, oh, back? No, no, I ain't trying to do this. Right. That's lame. That's corny. But it's yeah. like, yo, being in proximity of just what you want to do is so valuable. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Facts. That's why we do this show, man. Hey, straight up. So as far as uh, social media, how can people connect with you? How can they find you? How can yeah. they follow you? Yeah, follow us at Mez Brands, M-E-Z-Z-B-R-A-N-D-S. Um, and everything is Mez Brands. So MezBrands.com, at Mez Brands, info at Mez Brands, all that stuff. So we encourage everyone to follow us and see what we're doing and give us some, some advice. You know what I'm saying? Or if you want to help out, just definitely you know, hit us up, power with us, and we can you know, share, some, share and engage and figure out what's the next steps of cannabis. Where, where, where? And if you are consuming Mez or you're at a Mez event, make sure you hit that hashtag Mez Life. For sure. And be uh, 21 and up. Yeah, right, right. No stems, no seats. And consume responsibly. Yeah, yeah. Come to Denver. Come come hang out with us. We've got some cool events happening. Yeah, come hang out, but don't yeah. don't move. Because <laughs> the, <laughs> the, traffic, don't move the traffic crazy. But, yeah. but come kick it in Denver, man. All right, man. Let's make some noise for my man, Paul. Hey. Oh, thank you. And uh, listeners, be sure to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yeah. Check us out on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. Life is Dope. At Life is Dope. That's right. Uh, what else? Oh, Life is Dope. Dot, Dot shop. shop. Grab some you gear. Get man. some uh, fresh swag. Yeah, it's dope. I like the gear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's grab a shirt. Man. Super good. good. Yeah, man. So, yeah. You paid all our bills? I think we're good. <laughs> Life is Dope podcast. I'm Graffiti. And I'm Davey. Screw. We out. Peace. temporada de pintado con FlexTemp de Sherwin-Williams, formulada con tecnología Extreme Temp que se adapta a temperaturas extremas. Si puedes soportar el calor, FlexTemp también puede. Elige FlexTemp hoy mismo.